I think as a church, as we press into God more, as we allow the Holy Spirit to move and minister amongst us to engage the Holy Spirit and say, God, you are welcome here. We want the Holy Spirit to move in new and fresh and powerful ways and be more expectant of what he might want to do in for us individually and as a church. That's exciting because God is always a God of more. I'm really excited. And I think God is going to do significant things in the next few weeks. And to be clear, I don't think it's based on the quality of the teaching. I hope the teaching will be okay. I think it's based on the openness we have in order to allow God to minister to us afresh, to have a new and powerful way amongst us. I'm excited about this new series because I think it's going to be significant for us exploring practically and in theory about what does it mean to engage the Holy Spirit and allow him to equip us again with different gifts and different talents to really move and minister here and also beyond these church walls. And as we think about the Holy Spirit, I'm aware that if you're anything like me, you have this kind of funny relationship with the Holy Spirit at times. And we understand the Father, don't we? The Father loves us, he created us, he's good, he's our daddy, he was there from the beginning, as were the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But we understand the Father, he loves us, he cares for us, he's daddy, we get that one, he created the world, breathed it into being. Then we have the Jesus, he came and lived and died and rose again. That makes sense. He offers us eternal life. He shows us how to live the right way. He modeled what it was for God to be incarnate here on earth. He offers a relationship, a personal relationship with us. But the Holy Spirit can easily become like this kind of dodgy relative that we kind of pull out at Christmas if we're not careful. We can have this kind of weird and strange relationship with it, a strained relationship because a whole number of factors and experiences As we come here this morning, all of us will bring different experiences, different baggages, different expectations, different theologies, different ways of thinking around this stuff. When I think of my own journey, I think that I've been in situations where I felt uncomfortable, where perhaps God's moved in ways that I wasn't perhaps wanting him to, or perhaps I felt manipulated by how the service or gathering has been led. I'm sorry on my behalf where I've got it wrong, where we've misunderstood how the Holy Spirit is moving. We can feel uncomfortable at times. We're not quite sure what's happening. It can feel messy. Or perhaps it's times where we've expected the Holy Spirit to move and the prayers seem to have gone unanswered. We've prayed for that loved one for many years and they haven't come to know Jesus. Or we've prayed for that healing, expecting God to heal and it hasn't happened. We come with misunderstandings. We come with mismet expectations. Or perhaps it's how we're wired. I'm a shy, introverted individual. People don't always believe that, but it's absolutely true. And for me, I don't like to think that something's going to happen beyond my control, which is going to feel perhaps messy or make me feel uncomfortable, perhaps in a gathered space. I like to feel safe and secure. I also like to know what's going on. I like to be in control. Many of us are control freaks, right? So we want to organize and coordinate how the Holy Spirit's going to move. So it can make us feel uncomfortable. We all have different expectations, different baggages, different theologies that come into play as we look to what the Holy Spirit ministering amongst us here in the gathered and in the scattered means. What does it mean for God to move here this morning but also to be with us tomorrow at the office or this week at the school gates? Francis Chan says this, no matter what religious tradition you come from, you likely carry baggage and harbour stereotypes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It's going to require laying aside your baggage and stereotypes so you can be open to what God wants to teach you. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? When we've seen things not handled well, when we've seen the Holy Spirit perhaps manipulated or misused, 
Andy Croft at Soul Survivor says this. He says, a corrective for misuse isn't disuse, it's right use. The corrective for misuse isn't disuse, it's right use. We come to God with all these expectations and unmet demands or thoughts and reflections, but we come to him afresh this morning. And yes, I can think of times that God hasn't worked in a way I'd want him to work or mismet expectations, but I can also remember many times that God has moved powerfully. Just this Friday night here at PowerPoint in Edinburgh, this building, many young people encountered the Holy Spirit in a really powerful way. I've been to events like Soul Survivor, which are youth festivals, and you can visibly see God heal and restore and the wave of the Spirit move amongst people. Last year, I was at the checkout at Tesco, and I really felt prompted to pray for the cashier. And I prayed for her, and she had a back back, and I prayed for her, and she was visibly touched and impacted by the Holy Spirit, and she felt a sense of healing. I've seen God firsthand move amongst people. A few weeks back at Encounter, our youth, uh, not youth, our prayer and worship event that happens in the hall, I was there and felt really prompted that day to pray for an individual and gave them a specific kind of sense of what I felt God was saying to them. And they said, you don't understand how specific and helpful that is for where I'm at. I've been confused by the Holy Spirit. I've been confused by how it's been misused and abused at times. I've had mismet expectations, but I've also seen God move powerfully. What does it mean for us to come to God afresh this morning and say, God, I want you to know what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. I want to be awakened by the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to move once again. Yes, God continues to move in and through our lives in this church. We always can expect more. Let's be based on what Scripture says. Jim Graham, who was a minister at Gold Hill who married Adele and I, I mention him pretty much every other day. He mentored me. He was an absolute legend. But he always says this as we turn to Scripture. He said, Word without spirit and you'll dry up. Spirit without word and you'll blow up. Word and spirit and you'll grow up. Let's read it again. Word without spirit and you'll dry up. Spirit without word and you'll blow up. Word and spirit and you'll grow up. So why don't we this morning, as we think about the Holy Spirit, why don't we just turn to Scripture and allow that to speak into us as a church family? So we're turning to Acts 1, and you might have a Bible with you, but if not, it'll be on the screen. So just to give a bit of context before we read in this passage, the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were right there at the start of time. And it says that Ruach, the breath of God, the Hebrew word is Ruach, meaning God breathed life. And from the outset, God breathed creation into being. The Spirit was there from the outset. But throughout the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is for certain people in certain situations. The Holy Spirit is very much there, but it's limited to certain contexts and certain situations. And then what happens is we look at Acts, which is Luke's second volume. So Luke was a doctor, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is the story of Jesus. It's the life and times of Jesus, how he lived, worked, and did miracles. It's incredible stories, and it's based around the disciples. And then Jesus, in this passage, is on his last conversation ascending to heaven. And the disciples, you can almost imagine the tension, can't you? Our leader, our saviour, the guy who's changed the world, the guy whose God in human form came to earth, has now left us. We've literally given everything. These disciples were prepared to die, prepared to give absolutely everything for the sake of the kingdom. And now we're like, well, we've gone. How do we manage? How do we cope? The tension, the atmosphere, in one of our last conversations, trying to work out what it means now that Jesus has left them. The resurrection's just happened. They've just seen firsthand that resurrection has happened. The power of Jesus being risen from the dead. They're expectant for him to move afresh again. 
And now they're thinking, how is he going to move now that he's ascended to heaven? Acts 1. In my, farm, in my former book, Theopolis, what a great name, Theopolis. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When I quickly pray as we just unpack this. Lord, we just bring before you your word and we want to be obedient to it. We stand under its authority. And we long to be a church who honours your word but is open to the Holy Spirit moving as you would choose. And I pray for each of us this morning that you would allow us to be open to what you want to say to us. Heal any hurts or wounds from the past. Free us from any baggage. And we pray with absolute hope that what would happen this morning is that you would remind us of your power you'd remind us of your authority you'd allow the holy spirit to work in and through us and it wouldn't be about anything i say it'd be about your authority of a word working through the spirit and for those of us who perhaps just even this subject feel uncomfortable feel a bit out of our comfort zone we just pray that your peace would just be here and present lord in jesus name we ask amen so disciples are encouraged to wait, to wait for an anointing, to wait for God to come and fill them, to wait for the Holy Spirit would minister to them, to wait for God's timing. So often we're impatient, aren't we? We want to go and do things. We want to push out, but the disciples are encouraged to wait, to wait for the Holy Spirit, to wait in our gatherings for God to have his way. As we're making decisions to wait on God's timing and wait for his instruction, Wait for his presence. It's not our agenda or plan. It's not our ways of doing things. God, have your way in me and through me. I want to wait for you to guide me. I want to wait for you to instruct me. And this isn't a magic genie who kind of appears and helps us. This is God, the person of Holy Spirit, working and ministering in and through us. And he comes to us when we wait. He comes to us and he gives us new dreams and visions. As we press into the Spirit, as we allow him to speak for us, he gives us new dreams. He allows us to think of new communities that could be started. He allows us to have new strength in him. He gives us words of hope. He gives us encouragement as we wait for him. He empowers us. And let's demystify this. This can be a whole range of things when God speaks to us. It could be our own voice, it feels like. God just speaking to us in his own voice. It may be a sign. A few weeks ago, I was really praying into some stuff and struggling to believe in God's promises and on two very clear occasions as I was praying, from out of nowhere, a rainbow appeared and then it went within a few seconds and you might just say that was coincidence, possibly, but it felt very clearly to me that God was speaking. I have a really key relationship with the song, My Jesus, My Saviour. I know I need to probably 
keep up and leave the, the 80s worship scene. But great tune, and I was baptized to it. And Zach will laugh now, but anyway, you've got, you've got to laugh. Please laugh. But last week, as we were worshiping, the band here were playing, and just as a joke, they went into that song just as they were practicing. They didn't play it in the gathering. But for me, that song has always had real significance to me and spoken to me. And as I was praying about stuff, I just really felt God remind me of his truth, of his presence. God speaks to us in a whole range of ways as we wait for him. We allow him to minister to us. We allow us to equip him, equip us. We allow us to empower us. We allow us to give us new visions and dreams. We anoint afresh by his power. And that's why we often encourage one another to put our hands out as a visible sign of saying, we're just waiting for your presence. We're waiting for you to come upon us. We're waiting for your person to minister in and through us. So what is it we're waiting for? In Acts 2, after a few days, it says, wait for a few days. And then the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound of like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They waited and the wind of the Spirit came. You don't need me to explain what the wind looks and feels like after a week like this. You know, right? You can't always see it. You can't see the wind at all, but you know it's there. You don't need me to convince you that the wind is real. I cycled to work and on a windy day when it's really behind you, you're literally flying down like you're in the Tour de France, right? And then if it's the wind's against you, you're cycling against the wind and you get overtaken by walkers, you know, you kind of understand in Edinburgh the power of the wind. The wind is real. You can't see it, but it's there. It moves in different ways. Sometimes it's powerful, sometimes it's gentle. Sometimes the direction changes and perhaps when we think about the Holy Spirit, we've misunderstood how God wants to move. We're human, we get it wrong at times. As we minister and try and allow the Holy Spirit to work amongst us, sometimes we misunderstand where God's going or it changes direction or it feels gentle at one point and then we allow it and it moves in a powerful, it says a violent storm in Acts 2. I've been sailing a handful of times. Anyone been sailing? Like, is any experienced sailors right here? Right, Jenny and John, I'm going to be very nervous about explaining this illustration to you. But... The handful of times I've been, the first time I went, we got it completely wrong and we capsized our sailing boat literally three times in a row into this freezing cold water. I'm not a good sailor. Kept capsizing it. And the wind was powerful. We couldn't handle what was going on. And sometimes as we try and allow the Holy Spirit to move amongst us, we get it wrong. We make mistakes. Sometimes it's messy and it's unknown. Sometimes it makes us feel out of our control because we're not quite sure what to expect. The wind blows where it chooses. I've also sailed boats on two or three occasions where the wind gently pushes you. Then you catch a strong breeze and you build up power. The wind changes speed and direction. Or sometimes you have to wait to realign your sails so you can have a new gust of wind. We have to reposition ourselves, make ourselves available for Holy Spirit to move. God wants our availability. God wants us to be open to him and saying, look, have your way. Because the truth is, if you're like me, you can be a control freak, right? We can want to order everything. We can want to say that this is how I live my life and God trying to fit into this. And the challenge when we think of the Holy Spirit is to relinquish that control and saying, God, you're good, you're gentle, but I want you to have your way in my life. You don't force yourself upon me You don't make me feel out of my comfort zone. But if I step out of my comfort zone, then I can expect more of you. I will wait on you. 
Because I think what we can't do, the danger is, I'm talking to myself as we take the sail down. Some of us would have seen or experienced different theologies or practices that basically understand that this all stopped with the early church. I don't want to disparage other churches I believe so strongly in unity, but I believe that God's Holy Spirit wants to move powerfully in and through us, individually in our communities and on Sundays. And my personal experience, and I could well be wrong on this, but I've come to a conclusion that I'd rather meet Jesus face to face and apologize for expecting too much of him. Apologize for expecting too much of the Holy Spirit working amongst us than missing out on all the incredible gifts that were laid before me. To meet with him and think, ah, oh, if only I'd known about all that stuff, the healings, the miracles, the incredible gifts you want to give us. It describes in this passage the gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift that's available to us. What does it mean for us to wait on the Holy Spirit? In this passage, it's very clear that the reason we wait, one of the main reasons we wait, is to be sent out. It says we're not from God's spiritual home, Jerusalem, now to the ends of the earth, to Samaria, to Judea, to the ends of the earth. The disciples were equipped, they wait to be sent out. We are a church of missional disciples. We believe that God wants to move powerfully here on a Sunday, but also in our communities as we're at the school gates tomorrow. As we're at the water fountain office, we believe that the same God is with you there as he is here this Sunday. My simple theology says that the same God that I worship at these festivals of 10,000 people is the same God that's here this morning. The same God that goes with you tomorrow at your break at work as you're chatting to your friend. There's a world out there who don't know Jesus. There's a world out there of people who haven't encountered Jesus and we are to be the hands and feet for God. You see, this isn't about having a warm, fuzzy feeling. It might be. God might empower you with his love. He might help you know an overwhelming sense of his goodness, his peace, his love. That can happen. But it's about God building his kingdom. It's about God building his kingdom. It says in this passage, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's about restoring God's kingdom, about his way, his power, his kingdom being built. You see, God can move here, and he does. I've seen God move in church gatherings. I've seen him move at festivals. I 100% believe and expect God to move here. But he also moves as we leave. And I wonder, if we look at the book of Acts, but often God moves more so as we scatter. As we step out with courage, as we step out with faith, I think we can see an increased amount of God moving at times. But the goal is to go out, to be the hands and feet, to build the kingdom you see, there's a real battle going on. We need to name the Holy Spirit. We also need to recognize there's an evil one. There's an enemy. At, fr- at PowerPoint on Friday, we prayed for young people and just very aware that many came forward for lies spoken over them about their identity, about bullying, about the fact that their labels, I'm not just talking about a bad day at school, but just stuff that was so spoken over them. Labels and stuff kind of names and experiences that really shape them in a negative way. We're in a battle. The goal is to build God's kingdom. And the way that Acts is written is that it's written almost as a drama. It's meant to help you think that you can participate. It's meant to help you believe that you can be part of this story. It's meant to be like an action drama where you actually feel like you can participate. And the reason is, is because we have a part to play. It's meant to help you think that you can contribute to the story of the early church growing phenomenally. It's down to earth. It's meant to be accessible language. It's meant to be, I can get involved in this because I am part of this story. 
It's not meant to be about these incredible gifted people who are there for a certain season, no. And if anything, they were very ordinary, everyday folks who believed in an incredible God, who had expectation for God to move in a powerful way. The wind was powerful, it moved. And it says in the passage, it says that the power they had, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the power that's available to us. We wait on God, we're sent to build the kingdom, but we go with the most incredible power. Jesus' last great commission was about go make disciples. It was about seeing the kingdom grow through us. His last words were, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The God of the universe, the God of everything, the God who created every one of us goes with us. What power we have. We so easily live, don't we, like we don't need the Holy Spirit. We have everything in control. We have everything, money that can buy by the world's standards. We have so many material goods, so many programs, so many things organized. I've just kicked my water over. But we have so much of our life is in control that we can so easily live that we don't need or depend on the Holy Spirit. People often wonder why does God seem to move more in developing nations than in the West? I don't know if he does or he doesn't, but what I do know is in the developing nations, so often their first port of call can be to press into God. They have to travel hours and hours for a doctor, so they expect healing there and then. What does it mean for us to live more dependent on God, expecting him to move? The God who works with us powerfully receives power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I was at Audi a few weeks ago. feels like all my stories are at shopping centres, but... That's not particularly fair or accurate. But I was at Audi and I felt a real strong conviction to go and pray for a guy who was on crutches and felt I really should go up to him and pray. And I kind of did that walk where I got really close to him and then within about 10 meters walked off, you know, kind of convinced myself otherwise. And I was kicking myself, I was angry because I really felt that God wanted to pray for me to pray and for him to know healing. I really felt it. And I just bottled it, just completely bottled it. And I remember just leaving thinking... I've missed that one. That was an opportunity for God's power to work through me. And God whispered in my ear in a way that sounded very much like Andy. He said, you don't realize what power you have available to you. You don't realize what power you have when the person of the Holy Spirit works in and through you. You're carrying that power. We all leave here this morning with incredible power, not because we're great, not because we're particularly gifted, but because God is great. He works with us. His Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, we carry him with us. And when God really moves, we don't need a communication plan. We don't need a media strategy. We don't need an evangelism strategy. We don't need lots of programs or organized things. What we need to do is explain what we're seeing, justifying why God is moving so powerfully. We're the hands and feet. We're the vessels. We're the, the things that Jesus chooses to work in and through. God wants to work powerfully amongst his people here on Sundays in the gathered, but also as we scatter. What power that's available to us. You may have been praying for a loved one to come to know Jesus for many years and it hasn't happened. You may have been praying for healing for a long while and it hasn't come to pass. And I can't give you twee answers about why that's happened. I don't know. But what I do know is that God's alive and real and his power is available to us. And please don't allow those limitations or expectations of the past to limit how you look forward and expect him to move amongst us this morning and beyond. 
Jesus comes to us and a touch from him can change everything. The spirit upon us can literally turn around the darkest situation, can heal and restore any individual or situation. Jesus leaves the Holy Spirit and what we see through the book of Acts, through very ordinary individuals, is the church grows exponentially. The church grows in phenomenal ways. These people who are having a go, who haven't got a clue, who aren't really sure what they're doing, but through the power of the Spirit working through them, through every day of them going to God, you see repeatedly in the book of Acts, they come to Jesus and pray more for courage, pray more for his power to anoint them afresh. I, when things get difficult, pray for protection. I pray that I'd hide. I pray that that's enough. These guys go to God praying for more courage, for more authority, for more power. We wait on the Holy Spirit on Sundays, in our communities, in our daily lives, because he wants to send us out to build his kingdom. And let's not forget what power we have.